Hey, DC, right now at VisionWorks, all prescription eyewear, every frame, every brand is 50% off. Yup, a nifty 50% thanks to our friends and family event. What's even better? It applies to both glasses and sunglasses. That's right. At the VisionWorks friends and family event, you can save 50% on all prescription eyewear. Why? Because we like you, DC. A lot. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Hey, podcast listeners, this is your humble host, Michael Smalley, and I just wanted to take a moment of your time before the show gets going to remind you about our online membership. It is an incredible resource to help you build a better relationship where we have taken all of our best video series and converted them into online courses. You can check out how to become a member at smalleyinstitute.com. I am the survivor of a vicious lion attack. It actually happened to me this past June. And honestly, it could be the reason that my family is even more close than ever before. What is the secret to a close-knit family? (sighs) Unfortunately, many times the answer is painful, scary, frustrating, or humiliating things. We'll give the complete answer to you coming up next. Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am your host, Michael Smalley, along with some other guy. <laughs> some guy we found <laughs> just just walking in. Hey, you've got a face for radio. You going to join us? What's your name? <laughs> Seth Johnson. Done. <laughs> Seth Johnson, the co-host and sound genius I accept. of this podcast. I feel like that's your apology for that setup. Thank you. Wow, you really are learning. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> I felt bad. No, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to sound yeah. empathic right now. Right. And we both know that's a lie. We both know you're not psychic. And we want this show to that's be... That's empathic, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> I take it back. You're not learning anything. We have had... It is now like the middle of September. People are listening to this show. Mm-hmm. But you and I have been apart for... Two months? A long time. A very long time. And I traveled the world having the time of my life, and you were at uh, filthy, hot, Christian... Youth camps. Youth camps. (laughs) (laughs) Which tens of thousands of teenagers. Yeah. How was it? Uh, All those things you described. (laughs) But great. I mean, just seeing uh, the Lord move in um, all these young... Men and women's lives, and you know, we, you probably as well had super impacting. Yeah, well, uh, South times. Africa was amazing. I, well, time other than uh, the lion attack, I wish you would, you know, Sorry. stop. I interrupted. <laughs> Just as a youth, when you went to youth camp, like it was super impacting. I hated youth camp. Okay, you don't want to have that conversation wow. with me. Yet you send your children to like the Canucks, yeah, or whatever, yeah. So they have the same trauma? Yeah, basic. No, they've loved it. <laughs> I don't know why. No, I didn't. I hated I loved Canuck. I hated youth camp. Isn't that a youth camp? Okay, let me try that again. <laughs> I loved Canuck. I hated church week-long youth camp. Uh, yeah, because most of the time, well, especially compared to Canuck, they're pretty lame. 
they're very lame compared to outside camp. of the spiritual aspects. Sure, when that kid goes down for the ninth summer in a row, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's weren't true. you just there at the other one last week? <laughs> right. And I a, don't know if you understand what commitment you're making. In the winter one we did, yeah. the fall one. <laughs> it's totally true, though. So, but at, did you tour, or was it with one particular band all summer? Or did uh, it was you two kinda... different bands, Mike Romero Music. Oh, yeah. I like him. And, yeah, we actually probably should um, throw one of his songs on. Let's do it. For, at the end of this podcast? Yeah. Uh, Sure, yeah. Why not? I mean, you brought it up. Yeah, I'll add. It's a song called "Before the Brilliant Whiteness," and Ooh. it's he's good, fantastic. Too. He's excellent. Yeah, their new album just came out. I kind of um, like to Win think I could take credit for this new album because we let them do some podcasts in our studio here. Yeah, we did. So yeah, so you can actually like go and listen to uh, podcasts about each song on the new album, kind of like how it came about and from the demo to the end product. And then uh, I worked with them, and then my longtime uh, friend, John Sherrill. Magnificent. Yes, we have one of my favorite (laughs) worship songs. Which I love it. And we played it this this last week at our camp, and at one point almost bombed it. (laughs) (laughs) Shocker. Yeah. But other than that, it was great. But it's good to be back. It's good to be not traveling. So have I even told you? About my lion attack that I survived? No, I've only had snippets of information that have not come from you. Really? Yeah. Who, I don't know if you they? remember, but you sent me precisely two emails the entire time you were gone. Yeah. After the 50 that I sent you. That's you, fine. <laughs> I told you I needed a break from you. <laughs> you were not honoring my boundaries. No, but I did. I literally survived a lion attack this summer. In South Africa, at the Rhino and Lion Park. So so it was in a park, like an amusement park, no, like Disney. No, nothing like Disney. This is like out in the middle of nowhere. The lions are in enclosures, so there's there's like a driving path you can take. So this is more like Jurassic Park. V- yes, that is such a good description. It's far more <laughs> like Jurassic Park okay. than Disney. Disney stinks compared to this thing. <clears throat> so... One of our, sorry, yeah, I did that right into the microphone. <laughs> you did. Let me try this again. <clears throat> so one of the traditional things that my family does whenever we go, and we've been going to South Africa almost annually for 12, 13 years now. Mm-hmm. Started when our children were wee little lads. And one of the traditions, which I think is also a part of a, you know, because I kind of hinted here, like, what's the secret to a close-knit family and I'm talking about my lion attack, and I know people are thinking, how on earth does a lion attack help you build a close-knit family? So let me tell you. Mm-hmm. So we're at the Rhino and Lion Park, and and literally tourists have been mauled to death at these various lion parks in South Africa. You, you'd think that then they would follow Jurassic Park's example and shut them down. No way. <laughs> they have rules. And so every tour, which you know, the very nature of my personality is to not follow the rules. <laughs> right. Fair. And then, then you wonder why you always are that guy that gets in trouble. I am, and I am but but people will they'll they'll say, do not roll your windows down. So if you're in the huge and like, you know, thousands of acres and you're doing the drive and trying mm-hmm. to find the lions kind of out in the wild, mm-hmm. they specifically say, do not ever roll your window down. <laughs> Because what's crazy about these lions, especially the female lions, as you might know, 
the female lions are actually the hunters. Right. Right? Yeah. So kind of like human men, lion men are also very lazy <laughs> and make the women do all the work. <laughs> and so, so, but they're incredible. Like I've, I've been doing this for years and I've watched these lionesses stalk cars and stalk people and stalk things. I mean, I have stories upon stories. And so they'll say, do not roll your window down. And I think last summer at one of the parks, uh, an Asian tourist rolled down his window and leaned out of the car to no, no. take pictures of a group of lions that had just made a kill. Mm-mm. And then, of course, one of the lions was like, hmm, he looks tasty. <laughs> right. And nabbed him right out of the car. No. Yeah. Oh, there's people that have gotten out of their cars to try to take the ideal picture and get mauled. And so, obviously, someone with my track record in life, <laughs> right? I mean, all the near-death experiences, it probably just should avoid a rhino and lion park altogether. It's probably a good idea. But I don't, because I like danger and adventure. And so, you can actually pay, and I just did the math. That's kind of a lie. Because I had to do it before this. But I used the converter app. Mm-hmm. And I think it was around 40 Rand, which is the South African money. Yeah. And that's about $6. Okay. So six bucks US, and you can enter one of the smaller enclosures and actually have a lion encounter. Like? For $6. A lion encounter, meaning like, like there's still like a fence between no, you guys? No, no fence. You go into the fence. What? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and this is like a tranquilized lion? No, not at all. So we go in. It's me, Amy, and Reagan. Mm-hmm. And you get like 15 minutes just to hang out with the lions and try to pet and things of that nature. So I'm telling you, Seth. <laughs> try this, to pet. Yeah. The second that I walked in, and we have photos. We have we have visual proof of this whole thing. Which we might need to attach one or we two will. of them to the show notes. They'll be on the, yeah. So just go to smalleyinstitute.com and click on the show. Why a lion attack may be the best thing for your family. So the three of us enter into the enclosure with the lions. And immediately, Seth, and, and literally instantly, there's, I don't know how many are in there. Maybe, I don't know. You can't see them all, but. Probably five to ten lions are in this semi-large enclosure. And the second we walk in, everybody notices, well, that's weird. They're all looking at you. <laughs> and they were looking at me. I mean, all lion so like, heads. Not like you as a group, but you no, specifically. No, me specifically. It's kind of like that scene in Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell. Remember when the T-Rex was, going to, was trying to get them? They had just run into the the cave because he offended the T-Rex because he said they had the brain of a walnut. <laughs> and it's like head is kind of into the cave and they're both like, dude, it's looking right at you. No, no, no. He's looking at all three of us. No. <laughs> and they all moved and he just kept his, that was what I felt like. So all the, and I'm like, wow, it's kind of creepy. And, I, and, and, and you have like an expert lion person with you. Mm-hmm. And so I turned to her. I'm like, so what's, you know what's going on? She's like, ah, I think they're, I think they're attracted to the color of your shirt. <laughs> I went, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I went specifically with a sky blue 
Columbia shirt, you know, the ones that are breathable. And, yeah, have the weird back yeah. vent. Yeah. So I specifically went with sky blue thinking, obviously, I'm not going to go with red because red always seems <laughs> to get you dead. Right. Red means dead. And I went with the nice zebra print. I know. <laughs> I look just like their favorite meal. Wait. No. So I'm I, I'm wearing a sky blue shirt. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm totally safe. And I was. You were not. I, no, I completely misjudged their favorite color. So, I mean, it really was. It kind of set my anxiety up a little bit. because I'm like, why? won't Stop looking at me. All of them were looking at me and focused on me. And then it happened. I find one laying on the ground. I'm kind of behind him, petting the little the lion, you know, like, hey, good boy, good boy. And it was like, you know, purring. Really cool. Like a good purr. Yeah. Like a nice, I'm happy. And yeah, it was a lot <laughs> like that, actually. And so I'm just minding my own business. Reagan and Amy are kind of at a different part of the enclosure. But, and this is why, you know, family matters. Because as I'm squatted down, petting this one line, both Amy and Reagan notice another line circle in behind me. <laughs> Nobody says a thing. <laughs> I know, for real, man. Nobody's like, hey, uh, honey, there's a lion stalking you currently. Nobody says a thing because they're like, we want to see how this plays out. Right. <laughs> so I am minding my own business when out of nowhere, and that's kind of how a lion attack happens. You really don't see it coming. They're really good at that. Yeah. They're good at being stealthy and quick. But this lion charges from behind and kind of leaps onto my back, which is sort of what they do, right? They're Mm -hmm. like, I'm bringing you down, big guy. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) You can't imagine the terror when you're petting one lion and you suddenly realize there's another lion trying to climb up your back. I mean, it was (laughs) terrifying. And so, of course, I'm like, I'm under attack. And I jump up, freaks me out. And the lion and the claws were were extended, right? And they're mm-hmm. just so sharp. And it just goes down my body and cuts my leg. So now I am bleeding officially inside the lion enclosure. And I'm thinking blood cannot be a good sign. Right. And, you know, all, all the chaos breaks out. But Amy and Reagan are laughing. <laughs> what? Yes. I am in the middle of a lion attack, and my wife and daughter are crying <laughs> in hysterical <laughs> laughter at the scene unfolding before them. You're like, oh, dad. No, I mean, they thought this is the funniest thing we've ever watched. Our idiot, you know, my wife, idiot husband, and my daughter, idiot father, get into. It was utter terror for me what did the uh the park ranger person do at this point well she was like it might be good for us to leave the enclosure now because you are clearly (laughs) in danger (laughs) uh yeah good job ranger rick (laughs) i know i mean it but it was such a weird scene because i'm like i've just been attacked by a lion and my wife and daughter think this is like the funniest thing they've ever seen in their life my shin is bleeding now full disclosure Okay. I know I said a lion attack. Probably a more accurate description <laughs> would be a lion cub attack. Okay. So they don't 
let you into an enclosure with full-grown lions. Well, so part of it, I was curious when you said this this lion jumped on your back and then you jumped up. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they weigh hundreds of pounds. <laughs> they do. And I was very... But not cubs. <laughs> yeah, but apparently Surprisingly, not. <laughs> cubs are much smaller and way more manageable. So we're actually in an enclosure with yeah. they. this particular lion park uh, rescues um, white lions. So, like, all the lions in this park are white. So some okay. lions are born white, but mm-hmm. then typically a male lion would kill it. Oh. Because, well, because it won't be able to hunt. It won't mm-hmm. be able to get food because it can't really blend in with the grass because it's all white. Yeah. So there are all these little, precious, cute little white lion cubs. <laughs> so they're probably the size of, like, a small Labrador. Okay. So they're not itty-bitty. And they're st- they'll still do damage. Oh. Dude, they do damage. <laughs> they hurt my shirt. It cut my shin. Hurt my feelings. You know, dripping in blood is also kind of an over-exaggeration. It was more of a trickle. <laughs> it was more of a, a trickle of blood down the... You know, I, I'm kind of sad because I really wanted a scar from that one. I mean, that would be cool to say, yeah, this is my lion scar. This is from the lion. But it you know, pretty much healed up that day. So, <laughs> so it was like... An aggressive scratch. Uh, an aggra- <laughs> I, that might be a little strong as well. <laughs> it's more of like an accidental nick. <laughs> so the lion was probably just trying to actually play with it you. It was. The cub was totally trying to play with me. Uh. <laughs> and But, you know, when you don't know that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would freak out too. If- and, and I was really free because, like, the claws, even as these cubs, are really long. They're, like, several inches. I yeah. mean, they're, they're, and they're super sharp. And I thought all I need is for this thing to, like, you know, latch mm-hmm. on like a cat would, oh, yeah, but with yeah. significantly bigger claws. So, I mean, it was still scary. I, I was never in danger, <laughs> per se. Like, you were never in life-threatening danger. No, no. I'm not an idiot. So how does this bring you and, and family together? <laughs> well, that's a good question. And that's the kind of point of this show is how do you have a close-knit family, right? Like a, a family that's bonded, that's connected, that... That doesn't laugh at you. In, <laughs> that doesn't mock you during a lion attack. Maybe a maul, like a lion mauling. No. It's more of like a lion tickle. That's probably... <laughs> like when when you get tickled, but it's a little too hard and it yeah, bruises. Yeah, it kind like of hurts a little. You're like, that was kind of fun, but then it was just uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it was more like that. It was It was a lion tickling. And so a lion aggressive tickling. And so one of the legacies, my father, who graduated to heaven on March 6th, Mm -hmm. 2016, one of the best legacies he left, and and he always talked about this kind of thing at seminars, because he would tell people the best thing you can do for your family is go camping. And people are always like, but I hate camping. But why would camping be a great thing in building a close-knit family? Like, I would imagine, Seth, that you and your family grew up going camping. We did indeed. And how many tragic or traumatic events happened on these camping trips? Well, we lost Bobby. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even I've never met that brother. It makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh well, actually one of I mean this is like very low on the tragedy scale, but one of my first memories of camping is us finding um a scorpion. Oh. And you know, like at a lot of the national campsites, they'll have like the communal like restroom sites. Yeah. That you, 
And so I just remember going there with my brothers, and in the the urinal, there was a scorpion. No way. And so, like, I, w- I found out later, when I was talking to my parents, I was only, like, three. Whoa. Something like that. But I remember. Yeah. That- That's actually really interesting. Even at three, you remember that scorpion. Mm-hmm. Any other kind of goofy injury? Like, of course, you know my life. Well, I remember trying to running across fire. Oh. And having uh, hot coals stuck in the bottom of my sneaker. Why did you do that? Because I you was were camping. a 10-year-old. Like, hey, guys. And one of your older brothers was like, <laughs> you know, it would be really cool, Seth. <laughs> oh, guys, yeah, that's genius. <laughs> I think we can do this. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> but the reason my father promoted camping for families wasn't necessarily for the camping sake. It's that typically when families go camping, something goes wrong. Some, like, my parents, when when he wanted to try this, I think, this is one of his stories, I think it was, like, maybe the first time we ever went camping as a family. I I may have not even been born yet, or maybe I was just an infant, but mm-hmm. they went, I think they went somewhere in Florida, and a hurricane came. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're in this tent with a yeah. literal hurricane pounding down the campsite. And it was terrifying, and they, you know, everything just got destroyed, and they had to, like, pack up, and it was just, you know, terrifying. Yeah. But it's also bonding. So when you go through these hard times, like, one of the most humiliating camping trips we ever had was, it was somewhere in, I think, it was somewhere in California. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know how old I was, probably 10 years old, and I'm always getting injured, right? So I have an entire comedy show just on my near-death experiences, which is 10. And these are legitimate. I don't even put this experience as a near death. Like, this doesn't even doesn't make, make the, the list. list of really dumb, horrible things that have happened to me. But there had been fires. And so a lot of the trees didn't obviously have any of the leaves or anything. And there were big pine trees. Mm-hmm. but And a lot of the limbs had kind of been burned down to nubs. Yeah. Of course, as a 10 year I'm like, oh, my gosh, that makes this tree infinitely easier to climb. Mm-hmm. So I went shooting up this tree. I got 10, 15 feet up in the air. All four of the nubs I was on, shockingly, after being burned, broke. <laughs> right. Right. Imagine. <laughs> yeah. How did that, you know, how did I not realize that would happen? So imagine we're in the middle of nowhere camping. I'm 10, 15 feet up in the air. Everything breaks. I fall all the way down. And, and right before I hit the ground, oh, yeah. I'm, if, only you, if only you guys could see, because I have my index finger out representing the branch. Mm-hmm. Or the nub of what used to be, and it had a very sharp serrated end, you know, yeah. kind of been broken off. And then my other hand, I have my two fingers, index and middle finger, representing my legs. Yes, facing down, and yeah. they're hurtling towards and one so another. So I'm falling down, and the so the branch hits me right between the legs, mm. hard. I mean, I'm telling you, I hit the ground. I was like. Right, I mean, it was. Yeah. It got me good, and I was like, "Wow, that was close." And as and I had been wearing sweatpants, and as I started to walk away, I was like, "Oh no, I've just wet myself." Uh-oh. But it wasn't urine; it was blood. No, cut, uh-uh. cut myself in that very precious of places. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is why this is the most humiliating story ever. And so now I'm all alone, though, and I'm waddling back to the campsite. I finally, you know, I get back, like, where have you been? I'm like, I hurt myself. And they're like, oh, my gosh, because the sweatpants were covered in blood. Yeah. So, of course, my dad lays me out on the picnic table (laughs) in front of God and everyone and takes my pants off. I'm like, no. (laughs) And it was cut bad. 
Yeah. And he's like, hey, we need to we need to take you to the ER. Of course, I'm 10. This is my special private place. <laughs> and I have no desire at all to go to an ER. I don't want anybody else looking at my stuff. Yeah. I mean, at this point in my life, I still don't yeah. want to go to the ER for that. I don't want anyone no, else looking at my stuff. I don't stuff. think any guy wants to go to the ER because he's injured himself severely in that area of the body. Right. So, of course, my my daughter, be, my daughter, my father being infinitely wise and smart mm-hmm. and loving and caring allowed his 10-year-old to convince him he doesn't need to go to the ER. No. <laughs> so, no. three days later, I'm swelling... It's getting worse. <laughs> my dad finally is like, dude, we need to go. Yeah. So this whole time I'm out in the woods bleeding to death from my <laughs> private area. Traipsing around in a bacteria-ridden yeah, environment. Exactly. With an open wound. And my whole fear of not going in the first place was I didn't want, especially a girl, or what if there's a female doctor who's like, oh my gosh, don't worry about it. So we show up to this little podunk ER clinic in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. First thing that happens is the nurse says, I have to check it out. So a female nurse, look, and I'm just mortified. And then I'm laying on a table with no pants on in an open room where there's like an el- yeah, there's an elderly lady on the table next to me going, oh, honey, what happened? <laughs> and I'm like, why? Freaking out. The doctor finally comes in. Mm-hmm. Female doctor. <laughs> Absolutely. So she's checking out my stuff, and I'm mortified. And she's like, Wow. You really should have come in like three days ago because you really needed stitches, but now I can't do stitches. And that's when they had to amputate. (laughs) I do have three children. I'm pretty sure they're mine. They might be adopted. (laughs) And so now because we waited so long, there was too much of a risk of infection to try to do the stitches. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think she did like some butterfly technique on it or whatnot, cleaned everything up. It was so horrible. Right? The whole thing is traumatizing. And then we go from the ER. My dad had bought this 1970 Yugo. Do you know what a Yugo oh, is? Yeah. It was like made by Yugoslavia or something like that. They, they start one out of ten times. Yeah, it's a terrible vehicle, and it's pure metal. There's, no, there's nothing but metal in this car. <laughs> and we would drag that behind our camper. And so we're all, we all pile into the Yugo. My dad's like, all right, well... You know, because we haven't eaten at a restaurant for like a week because we've been camping. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to treat everyone to a special dinner. Mike gets to choose. Of course, there's like one restaurant. There was no choice involved. (laughs) So imagine now I've cut myself. I've now been humiliated at the doctor, the ER. We are now leaving that place to go eat in my honor because I've gone through so much trauma. As I'm getting out of the Yugo very gingerly. Did you go to James Coney Island? No. (laughs) I wish. Some stupid restaurant. I'm trying to get out of the back of the Yugo, right? Mm-hmm. And it's difficult because I'm swollen and right. sore. And yeah. so it trying to get out, I put my hand up to kind of grab around the frame of the Yugo. And as I'm getting out, my mother sla- no. locks the door, slams the door on my hand. <laughs> so now four of my fingers are trapped between metal and metal. Yeah. I am screaming bloody murder. Everyone panics. The door's locked. No one knows yeah. how to get it unlocked. And I'm just standing there screaming my head off. And finally, I think my brother figures out, goes through the driver's side, goes around, unlocks it, opens it up. And now I'm sitting there with ice on my crotchal region. And my hand, my left hand, is in a cup of ice. 
And these are the things. This is what builds a close-knit family. How, do, how does that build a close-knit family, though? When you go through trauma, when you go through these accidents, when basically when things go wrong, families who play together stay together. Families who go through trials, I don't even know how to rhyme anything with trials. Oh, you don't Families who go through trials get lots of miles together <laughs> closely. <laughs> I mean, there was no expectation of rhyming, but thanks for trying. Yeah, I try. Well, you know, so this is kind of like the old uh, like uh, band of brothers, veterans, yeah, kind of thing as exactly. well. Exactly. When you see, because here's what's interesting: growing up in the Smalley household, uh, I was never ever even close to ever being taught that trials or tribulation are a are a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important here is that it feels like sometimes lots of people try to avoid, and, and it's not that you don't have to seek out trials because trials are inevitably always going to happen. Right. So I am not on any, in any circumstance or way encouraging you, you know, don't start, don't listen to this podcast and start praying for trials. That, that is not the point of yes. this. The point of this is that trials are inevitably going to happen. And so growing up in my home, I don't know. I mean, how, how, like growing up in your household, mm-hmm. were trials or difficult times, were those perceived or seen as like ultimately bad in your home? Uh, they were not necessarily bad, but taught that like they're going to happen. Right. And so it's just how you respond to them. How you respond. And if you read scripture, God promises over and over again that I'm going to use the things, mm-hmm. right? Like the verse that I always use when I sign someone's book or something. Not someone's book. If I'm signing one of my books. <laughs> <laughs> Just randomly signing, walking around Barnes & Noble, signing other people's books. Here's my Stephen King's copy of Carrie. Would you mind signing this for me? Sure, I sign anybody's book. So when I sign my books for people at events and things of that nature, I always put James 1 verse 2 which says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Scripture is constantly talking about trials are never ultimately bad. Trials will give you righteousness. They're going to give you um, perseverance. Mm -hmm. They're going to purify you. They're going to make you stronger. They're going to make you more empathic. Trials are never ultimately bad. And for a family, if you're if you're listening and you have a family and you don't feel as connected or you don't feel very close knit, I'm telling you again, you don't the reason why like we put in our home for my family as well and this is what it was like growing up is we put premium on experiences together. Yeah. So I mean, could you live in a bigger home? Sure. Could you drive a nicer car? Sure. But sometimes those financial decisions prevent you from having these kinds of experiences together Mm -hmm. where you can go to South Africa or you can go camping or you can go on that vacation. You can go and you can do things together and inevitably something goes wrong on these trips. Something. It doesn't have to be a, a cub, a a vicious cub attack. (laughs) (laughs) You don't necessarily have to fall from a tree and cut yourself, but those things happen Mm -hmm. over and over. I mean, I can remember on going camping at slide rock in arizona and my dad convinced my brother to slide down slide rock Mm -hmm. and he wanted to video it 
but you had like a very small pool that he had to hit. And if he missed this, you'd go continuing and off the cliff. So it was kind of a big deal. None of us <laughs> wanted my brother to do it. We're like, Greg is terrible. He's like, no, dad will stop me. We're like, this is dad. <laughs> right. He's never prevented disaster. He has ever. many gifts, but yes. this is not one of them. No. And lo and behold, I'm standing down there by the pool. Maybe it was four feet wide is what he had to hit. And he's like 40 feet up slide rock. Greg comes flying down. My dad has the camera and he videos him and videos him right past the puddle. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even attempt to try to catch him. He forgot. He got so he got so excited about the video footage. He didn't even try. So my brother went. Phew! We all went. Oh! I mean, I was bawling because he just disappeared. He went off like a, I don't know, 10, 15 foot cliff onto boulders. No. And, oh, no. We fully expected to see him dead. And he was down there sprawled out among <laughs> the boulders. I mean, he lived. So it's yeah. funny now. <laughs> right. But these these are the things, though, that can happen. When you're out having experiences together and it's these, you know, one of the, my dad wrote a book called The Joy That Lasts and it basically teaches you how to treasure hunt the trials in your life. Mm -hmm. And when you treasure hunt trials, when you have the attitude that, hey, this bad thing is not going to be ultimately bad. Does that make sense? Right. There's some, there's something redemptive yes. within it. Something's going to get better. Yeah. You're either going to get more maturity or more empathy or more understanding, more perseverance. More I mean, something good will come out of it. And a part of treasure hunting is, is searching. That's why it's called treasure hunting, is that you actually need to proactively look for the pearls, mm -hmm. for the jewels of whatever happened in this thing. For me, typically when bad things happen, immediately I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great story. Right. And that's what I yeah. do for a living, right, is I tell a lot of different stories. And and that's just always immediately for me, like the cub thing. Mm -hmm. I know I over-exaggerated it a little. <laughs> but for me, I even used it on that trip. And what's funny is one of our friends who was with us said, you're going you're gonna to share this Sunday, aren't you? I'm like, oh, <laughs> not only am I going to share it, that was a full-grown lion attack. <laughs> that, right. just, that just happened. And so when you're treasure hunting, you want to ask, how has God improved us through this experience? How has it made us better? Um, how was God faithful? I mean, I'm imagining yeah. you can look back at some of the harder things in your life, and you can ask, hey, you can look back at your life, and a lot of times these trials can be those really precious tre uh, um, markers in your life mm -hmm. of when, wow, God was really faithful. He really pulled me through that. Like, you know, in the middle of it, I thought, this is bad, and I don't know how this will ever be redeemed. And then a year later, two years later, five years later, you can look back on that and go, wow. Right. Look how, like hindsight is all, obviously always better mm -hmm. than when you're in the midst of that stuff. Uh, you can ask, what did I learn? You know, what did we learn through this thing? Um, and I think even maybe one of the greatest things of trials and and going through those kinds of negative experiences is how might God use this in the future to help others? Yeah. And oftentimes it can be um, not necessarily that you can prevent others from going through the same trial, but now you have a way of connecting and ministering to that person that's walking through it. And especially if that person say, isn't, isn't a believer, you can, you can help say like, Hey, this is, this is how God is redeeming this or a part of this and ministering through it. And how powerful is it 
when you can tell someone I've been there. Yeah. Right. So they're in the middle of a very similar thing that you've gone through and you can give someone so much hope because mm-hmm. they don't think that there's a future or they don't think that God can redeem this. And then you get a, and I'm telling you, God does that all the time where he will use the things that you have overcome and he will put people in your life that are going to be going through almost the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible how he does that. And, and so I think that attitude, um, you know, I did, so I was in South Africa, you know, for a long time over the summer, I did a lot of teaching mm-hmm. and on one of the, so I actually did, I think two comedy nights that were like these big outreach events. Mm-hmm. And the first one, I can't even remember what I did. That was funny. It was a good one. But the second one, I I did a show on all of my near-death experiences. And it was really incredible. Eight people. Yeah, eight people that night, which I just gave, like, the goofiest, stupid things that have gone on through my life. Mm-hmm. And eight people came forward that night to accept Christ, which wow. I didn't expect that. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't see that coming at all. But it... It, just through hearing, oh, and I know, so someone after the show came up to me and said, how can you laugh at all these things? Like how, yeah. you know, they looked upset and disturbed, like this doesn't make sense to me. And what hit me is that I have never viewed trials as, I was never taught to view those as a negative thing. Mm-hmm. So I think your attitude when you're out together as a family your attitude about trials really does shape how they can be used positively in your family. Mm-hmm. And you just, you bond together through trials. Yeah. And depending on like this kind of severity of the moment, uh, you can look at it as an opportunity for a new adventure as well. So yeah. like say, you know, camp- camping. Okay. So uh, maybe you actually forgot to pack like the stove exactly. that you want to do. So now you have all this food, like, Man, all right, now we're gonna have to actually figure out how to do this over an open fire the whole time. And like, you know, it's instead of saying like, oh crud, this is a horrible this thing. This is horrible and everything's ruined. Yeah. Now let's figure out how to how to yeah. make this happen and make it fun. Oh no, I fell out of a tree and cut myself in a very special place. Now the trip is ruined. How do we make this fun? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny as an adult now, I can share that story. Mm-hmm. And actually what's funny is I'm really I have not shared that in forever this is like on the podcast it's like one of the only times i've ever even talked about that um because as a kid it was really embarrassing to talk about having a major you know right uh injury down there and my dad obviously was very famous and spoke and loved to share stories but he always had to ask permission if it was something about us like Mm -hmm. not him that's good he had to ask permission so he said can i share that story and I very specifically said no. Yeah. So the first time he ever shared that was at Canicut Camp when I was 13 years old. After you'd said no? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd been a couple years, so I don't, yeah. you know, he didn't do it vindictively. Yeah. And it is kind of a classic. I mean, right. pretty it, funny. But still, for you... If 13 it, at yeah. Canicut Camp during family vespers, <laughs> which is when you have all the parents, all the girls, and all the boys. I was literally sitting next to my camp crush. Her name was Cricket. <laughs> I know. It was That's a weird. nickname. Okay. I'm sitting next to her as my dad shared that story. And all the girls are giggling and the guys are like looking at me going, oh, 
Are you a eunuch? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was mortifying. He got in a lot of trouble for that one. As he should, Dad. Yeah. But now, but now, what's fun is as an adult, it's funny. Yeah. And that's where I think, again, that people really miss that those things, those difficult trials or traumas of your life, you just, you cannot continue to view them as ultimately bad. Mm Because if you do, then no, you don't get to receive any of the benefits. You get to receive the benefits when you really learn how to treasure hunt those things. When you actively look, how has God matured me? Mm -hmm. What has, you know, what good? And I can make a guaranteed promise that, I mean, think of like Corey Ten Boom, right, coming out of 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 Nazi Germany and and all the trauma she had to experience as a daughter, or Anne Frank, right, mm-hmm. who's a little girl writing a diary of all the traumatic things that were happening around her, and how God used those horrific events to bless millions of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you you really do. The secret to a close knit family is having those having experiences and embracing the inevitable trauma and trials, they're going to happen during these times. And and to really treasure hunt those things. And it's through the trials that you're going to bond closer than you can really, frankly, in my opinion, probably you're going to bond more through trials than really any other thing I can think of. Yeah. Unless you have something that is less traumatic that they will <laughs> bond better through. I mean, that's, I mean, Casey, yeah. our common really good friend, he and I had just started getting to know each other and I then invited him to go to Zimbabwe with me. And it was on that Zimbabwe trip and all the goofiness and all the craziness that happened and the traumatic events where he and I forged a friendship that'll last a lifetime. And that's why our friendship won't last because you haven't taken me yet. I know. We haven't had a lot of trials and trauma yet. No. Hmm. Put the gun down, Seth. <laughs> You cannot just create these things. That will get you arrested. I want a memory. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, everybody. Don't forget that on this very podcast page of which you are listening to the show, keep scrolling down past the show notes, and you will see all the different links where you can download the Reignite Your Marriage app on iTunes, Google Play, Windows Phone, Amazon App Store, and this app is one of the coolest things I've personally ever created for a ministry and for couples. So uh, there is now lots of people in South Africa that are using the app. It's totally free. And you can use our communication tool with the app, Love Talk. You can make a love list where you can mm-hmm. remind yourself of what you love about your spouse. It's really a handy tool. You can listen to podcasts through there. You can. And as well, Seth, if they go to smalleyinstitute.com, what can they find there? Oh, they can find hours upon hours upon upon hours hours of best video content of both you and your father. Yep. To help with your marriage, whatever situation you got. And there's free online courses as well and tests. Assessments. Assessments. Yes, test is a naughty word, right? Yeah. It's assessments. No, we want an assessment. Yeah. We fail tests. Yeah. We learn through assessments. <laughs> we discover through assessments. So you can, it's, 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 um, yeah, we have this huge online library of courses, and they're all from our best video series, and each one of them will help you build a better relationship. Mm-hmm. So check that stuff out. 
And remember, uh, if you enjoy the show or not, let us know. Jump on iTunes and leave us a review. And, uh, you know, let me know what kind of trial that you think Michael yeah. and I should go through. Yeah. So we, can, <laughs> we can bond. To help forge this friendship. Yes. Well, Smalley Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Smalley Institute. If your marriage is on life support, reignite your relationship in only two days. Find out more online at smalleyinstitute.com, or you can call us toll-free at 888-565-6462. I am weary of earth and heavy laden, how I long for my true home, that place with no more evil, that sweet voice that bids me come. Oh, so by how dare I hope to stand in the glory of your holiness before the brilliant whiteness your outstretched hands pull me in you will answer for me oh righteous God yours are the It's the voice of Jesus that I hear Hands that reach and draw me near Atoning blood wash over me Oh precious blood that set me free It was you who found me in the deathly wild You made me an heir, I am the father's child And day by day my soul will that you Yours is the life lit down. You turn the phone. I get it going.
Hey, DC, right now at VisionWorks, all prescription eyewear, every frame, every brand is 50% off. Yup, a nifty 50% thanks to our friends and family event. What's even better, it applies to both glasses and sunglasses. That's right. At the VisionWorks friends and family event, you can save 50% on all prescription eyewear. Why? Because we like you, DC. A lot. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Hey, DC, right now at VisionWorks, all prescription eyewear, every frame, every brand is 50% off. Yup, a nifty 50% thanks to our friends and family event. What's even better, it applies to both glasses and sunglasses. That's right. At the VisionWorks friends and family event, you can save 50% on all prescription eyewear. Why? Because we like you, DC. A lot. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details.